welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor, and I'm here with Joel Ford, a school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. Our producer is Mike Piergalski, English teacher at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, who is a summa cum laude podcast producer. Mr. Ford, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? It's fantastic. It's a great day. Yeah. The year the year has begun. Uh, August one has come and gone, and and the the race has begun. Yeah, it's been a good year to the good start to the school year. Um, I've got a really good like eager group of seniors. I'm done with schedule changes, so and all all the other first week stuff that we do. So um, so yeah. literally, your job as a school counselor is now over. You've made your schedule changes. Now Just I get to do. Man. Just yeah, kidding. Man. Yeah. Right. Right. So for our listeners, we're we're going rogue today. We've done this before. Like the uh, other days. <laughs> we had anticipated our next episode to be about matriculation. But, you know, Chris and I both have full-time jobs and scheduling recording time when we both have time. So we're moving a future topic up to the present. Except today's episode is one we've been talking about for a while like lots of episodes, but we really have been talking about this for a while. And it's something that comes up in our conversations with students a lot every year. Um, Honors programs and honors colleges. What are they? What's the point? What benefits do they provide students? Sounds like the beginning of a Seinfeld joke. What's the deal with honors colleges? That's a terrible impression. Oh boy, right? who are these people? Yeah. So anyway, you know, you've, I think you dated yourself a bit, Mr. Ford. Uh, but I but I know you don't care since Seinfeld is your favorite show and you do have the Seinfeld Lego set. So I do. I'm staring right at it, actually. So uh, let's get started, though, today with something that you and I both didn't realize existed until this summer. This was fun. This, this is, was a fun text chain. This was a lot of fun. OK, so I found a posting on Twitter that celebrated some, quote, non NCAA national championships. So we wanted to share a few of these with our listeners today. Uh, some of these, quite frankly, I didn't even know existed, much less I didn't know there was a competition for some of this. So, you know, we we, we want to be a little lighthearted with this, but, you know, people are competing in this. So, so we do want to point out that there are um, competitions out there to represent colleges beyond the normal field of athletics. And we right. are not making fun of anything. I promise. This stuff is really, really cool. It's just sometimes it's kind of humorous to us to think of something so out of the box. Right. Uh, my comment to you, Joel, before we started this is, you know what? Every single person who participated in these had a great college essay. Yep. And you'll hear why in a second. So, Chris, let's begin with your alma mater, the Ohio State University. Get that right. Thank yeah, you. The, all caps. Uh, it was a good year for Ohio State. They won national championships this past year in Bollywood Fusion Dance, Microsoft Excel. I can't even imagine what the competition is for that. Synchronized Swimming, 
roller hockey, but Division Two, there was a D1 champion. So I guess roller hockey is not a D1 competition at Ohio State. Okay. Wow. All right. Did not know that. Pistol shooting and artistic swimming, which I kind of thought was synchronized swimming, but apparently it's something completely different. I told you that I attended the greatest university in the world, and now, now we know. Now we know. Now we know. All right. As for my alma mater, Western Kentucky University, they won the national championship in forensics. And if you're not familiar with that, think speech and debate. Now, here's the thing. Western wins that like more times than not. So really, it's kind of our thing on the hill um, that, that they win the national forensics title. So yet, a, yet another year for that. Okay. Now, some other championships. And, and for those listening, there were like five screens of probably 30 college logos with different competition winners. So this is just a small percentage. But we want to congratulate Harvard for their national championship in book collecting. Texas A&M, who won the national championship in meat judging, which was different than Kansas State's championship in meat animal evaluation. Don't know what that the is different. Is. It's way different. Uh, sure, a- absolutely. Clemson in dairy tasting. Mmm, milk. Texas A and M in wool judging. Purdue in probably the two most different categories I can think of: ballroom dancing and bracketology. So March Madness on the ballroom floor. Miami University here next door to us up in Ohio, national champions in broom ball. I'm thinking that to me, that sounds like it's like Quidditch or something and synchronized skating. Kansas state in wind energy. So like who makes the, the uh, windmills go the fat. I don't don't know. The most efficient. Sure. Texas tech and musical theater, South Dakota state, in one quarter scale tractor. That's all it said. I don't know if that was racing, developing, not sure. But they also won the national title in lunar surface transport in South Dakota. Utah Valley, winners of financial planning. The Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette in petroleum geology. Oregon in something called Dance Your PhD. Our guest, maybe in a few minutes, can contribute to that. I don't know. Dance, um, da- it's, that's what it's called. Dance your PhD. Dance your PhD. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to dig into that one. That sounds fun. Maryland in soil judging. Yep, that's some dirt. And finally, <laughs> <laughs> in what must have been true battles, co-champions in poultry judging between Penn State and Texas A and M. Really, I. Texas A&M's won several of these animal competitions. The ag, the ag program, fantastic. It's got to sure. be fantastic. And documentary filmmaking between NYU and Columbia. And like I said, this is just a small part of a long, long list. So what's the point of this, Chris? Well, to me, you know, it, it's it, there's a little bit of humor here, but it proves if there's an activity that you want to get involved in on a college campus and it doesn't exist, there's nothing that is too ridiculous or too impossible 
to start at your college. Okay. You can do just about anything. It's awesome. I, I, I'm working with a young lady right now who I, I can't even explain it. It's archery, but a different type of bow. And it's, and it's a whole different style of competition. And her college search is based on where she can use that bow. And she knows what she wants to study, but it's relatively common in a way. So that doesn't narrow things down. But, but it, it's Michigan State, for example, is on the list because of the competitions they have with that type of bow. So it's cool. It's awesome. I, and I wasn't joking. When I say kids would have – not kids, but when these students would have good essays about these, about these topics – these unique activities make people unique. It's, I would it's be awesome. I love it. Essay. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to read these. Absolutely. And if somebody out there is interested in Dancer PhD, please contact us because we'd, we'd like to know more about that one. We've got a decent contact in Oregon too, so let us know. There you, you go. Can get a hold of us and we'll, we'll hook you up. All right, Joel, remember, everyone, Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford is part of the NACAC Podcast Network where you can find a variety of podcasts centered around various aspects of the world of college admissions. I feel like we have to mention this one because of a recent episode and my visit. On the admissions beat, veteran dean of admissions Lee Coffin from Dartmouth College provides high school juniors, seniors, and parents, as well as their counselors and other mentors, with news you can use at each step on the pathway to college. With a welcoming, reassuring perspective, and an approach intended to build confidence in prospective applicants, Dean Coffin offers credible information, insights, and guidance. From the earliest days of the college search to applications, decision-making, and arrival on campus, he does so by drawing on nearly 30 years of experience as an admissions leader and at some of the nation's most prestigious institutions. And with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about honors colleges and honors programs. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Joel, I'm ready to explore this topic of honors colleges and programs. How about you? I'm ready as well. Um, and as I was thinking and preparing for this episode, I, I kind of went back in time to my senior year of high school. And I remember getting information about joining the honors program at Western Kentucky. And I decided not to join primarily because I didn't know enough about it or the benefits of it. Um, it was just kind of one of those like, hey, join this. And so in my mind at, at age 17, all I saw was it sounds like extra work, but I don't know what the benefit of it is. Um, so I think this episode is about 30 years too late for me um, because I need to be schooled on this topic, obviously. Um, so let's get into the topic by introducing our guests. Um, he's going to be much more knowledgeable than the two of us about honors programs. Chris, why don't you do the honors? Two things. One, I was in the honors program at Ohio State, well, um, but I didn't really take advantage of what I should have. I know I got into a couple classes because of early registration, and that's that's about it. And two, 
Um, I feel like our guest is more knowledgeable than the two of us on all topics, <laughs> not just honors program topics, but uh, from the University of Kentucky's Lewis Honors College, we are extremely pleased to have Christian Brady, where he serves as Dean of the Lewis Honors College. He received an Artium Baccalaureus in Near Eastern Studies and History with a concentration in Religious Studies at Cornell University. He obtained what would now be called a Master of Studies in Jewish Studies at the University of Oxford and a Master of Arts in Biblical and Theological Studies at Wheaton College Graduate School in Wheaton, Illinois. Finally, he earned a Doctor of Philosophy in Oriental Studies Rabbinic Literature from Oxford. His academic career began not only with teaching, but administrative duties as well. He was the director of Jewish studies for six years at Tulane prior to becoming the director of Tulane Honors Program. From 2006 to 16, he was the dean of the Schreier Honors College at Penn State. Then, in 2017, became the inaugural T.W. Lewis Dean of the Lewis Honors College at the University of Kentucky. Dr. Brady, welcome to the Get Schooled podcast. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be with you. Love your podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. The, my first question is, how did UK snag you? How'd that happen? <laughs> well, it's just, a, it's a great opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I spent, um, as you just recounted, I was um, director of the honors program at Tulane University, a private university and a relatively small program. And then I was dean of the Schreier Honors College at Penn State, a very large and well-respected honors college. And I was dean there for 10 years. And so the opportunity to take all that I had learned from working with colleagues like those at Ohio State and uh, University of Texas and Oregon and build a college from scratch was really quite exciting for me. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. We're entering our seventh year here. And um, but it's built upon a strong foundation uh, of the honors program that's existed at the University of Kentucky since 1958. So what what's it, what is it like to, to build an honors college? It's it's really fascinating and interesting. Um, there's there's a number of different ways to have the conversation, but I want it to uh, be relevant to your audience. Uh, I will just say to be hiring all but about five people in a college of 32 some folks. So hiring a dozen faculty, uh, five uh, um, advisors, five uh, counselors. It, it's it, it's really interesting, and it's also a lot of responsibility. So when you make the hire all the hiring decisions. When things don't work out, it is very much on your plate. So uh, it's been it's been really uh, a lot of fun. It's been a growing experience. One of the things we'll talk about is that every honors college and program really ought to reflect its home institution. And so spent a lot of time listening to um, alumni, faculty, staff here at the University of Kentucky to hear what honors has been at this university and what they want it to be going forward. So it's been a it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I really don't want to stick to the audience because I'm really, really interested in this. But perhaps, perhaps I shouldn't be selfish. Why are we doing this, Chris? I know, I know. Yeah, I, well, okay, so okay, in that in that vein, because we, we'll get to all these points, I'm sure. But just to provide our listeners with a starting point, if you if you would, could give us a basic definition of what an honors program is, including the primary purpose. 
So first, I'm going to weasel a little bit and say it depends. Um, but I promise you, I'm going to give you a fairly concise answer. But I'm going to start sort of at the, the widest end of the funnel, the biggest operations, and, and make my way down. So we're here at a Research One University. And so in a big R1 university, as we call it, um, the honors colleges, it's usually a college rather than a program, they tend to represent all of what uh, a student would experience, all the different majors, uh, all the different opportunities here. And so at that level, an honors program is an, is an enhancement on a student's educational experience. So what that means is while they may have uh, an introductory course that all honors students take, such as we have at the University of Kentucky, as you move into your major, you're diving down deeper. So your general education courses, your major courses will all double count. You'll take honors versions of those and really dive down deep. You're a chemistry major. So you're going to be getting into the lab, working with these professors, doing uh, their research projects and all that culminating with a thesis. So usually it's not, as you uh, sort of alluded to earlier, not a ton of extra work, but rather you're doing that work you want to do at another level, right? And, and so that's what we usually find uh, at, at the big universities where we're augmenting, supporting the structures that are there. An honors program, like you might find at a smaller institution, will, because it's a smaller place, it might take a different flavor, so a small liberal arts college um, might well have an honors program, but for them, it might focus on interdisciplinarity. Um, you know, if you only have 200 students coming into the, the entire college as a whole, then you're only going to have maybe 20 or 30 students within the honors program. And so you can, you can shape that in a slightly different way. So each and every honors program in college really should, as I said, reflect their home institution, the values and the missions that are there. And then what we've done in particular and quite unique here with the Lewis Honors College at the University of Kentucky is not only focus on that, but as part of our mission to help our students explore their purpose, we've created the Center for Personal Development. And so it's a lot of the things you might find in student success, but focused to our students. So helping them from everything, taking sort of the Myers-Briggs or the DISC assessment to get a better sense of themselves and who they are, all the way through helping them get a, a decent headshot for their LinkedIn account and preparing on how to do a job interview or uh, connecting with alumni for mentoring programs. So you go from small uh, boutique sorts of honors programs within smaller uh, elite uh, liberal arts colleges to an operation such as you have at Ohio State University, for example, that has 6,000 students, last time I checked, in their honors program, but it's a three-tiered program there oh wow it was a, it was i lived in the honors dorm sophomore year and it was it was one tier and i'm not sure how selective it was at that time so well <laughs> things do change over time and I, I think i became aware of uh their program a little after you graduated with with all due respect chris do you yes <laughs> certainly certainly so were there were there differences between Tulane, Penn State, and now UK? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Tulane University, for those unfamiliar in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, is a, a full university and it's an R1, but it's a much smaller environment. Um, and so the, the primary campus, though there is engineering um, and there's a the College of Science and Liberal Arts, but it, 
it's a much smaller private university feel. And so the Honors College uh, Honors Program, um, for example, uh, the director of, the, of an honors program doesn't usually report directly to the provost. That's probably in the weeds again. But um, and, and even there, what we worked on was emphasizing students diving deeper into their chosen field. So in general, most of the case, cases, students, when they're graduating with honors from an honors program or college, it's, it's within their particular chosen major. So um, at the University of Kentucky, we are one of only about six or eight honors colleges that also have our own faculty. So we have a dozen lecturers hired within the Lewis Honors College dedicated to teaching that first year course that all of our students have to take, as well as a wide array of honors versions of the gen ed courses. So students are able to meet their, their core requirements with our lectures. But then we've got over 100 plus faculty throughout the rest of the university who are teaching seminars, taking on our students, well, their students uh, as uh, research assistants and into their labs and things. And having that dedicated um, lecture core here means that when our students come into Lewis Hall, our our main uh, space here, the faculty offices are right here next to the honors academic advisors. So they have academic advisors in their college of of their degree, so arts and sciences say, as well as within honors. Then we've got our Center for Personal Development and those faculty and everybody's around here. So students can stop Dr. Ryan Vogt in the hallway and say, Dr. Vogt, you said you majored as an engineer, as an undergrad. You worked in engineering for five years. Why did you go get your PhD in Eastern European history? And they can sit and have a conversation about it. I feel like but Joel and I both have have daughters at the University of Kentucky, and we're both counselors in the state of Kentucky, and we're both involved in the state organizations. And like, I'm totally getting schooled right now because I I, I didn't know I didn't know how robust the the Honors College at UK was. I didn't know you had your own faculty. I didn't know. I mean, I knew you had like your own hall and dorm mm-hmm. situation, but I didn't. So, are your professors are they are they all clamoring to to be able to teach? Within well, Lewis yes, and it's a part of developing and growing. Um, so you, you talked about contrasting. So Penn State University, their university-wide scholars program started in 1980. So by the time I came in 2006, the college had been endowed for 10 years as the William A. Schreier Honors College. Um, but the, but the, the academic core had been going since 1980. And so we had well over 300 faculty, not only across the primary central campus, University Park, but across all 18 undergraduate campuses. And and Joel, the faculty just love teaching the students and getting engaged in working with them. Our our faculty at University of Kentucky do as well, but we've been, um, we're we're new with a new curriculum and two and a half years in, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And everything shut yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've got um, seventy five faculty outside of the Lewis faculty who are part of our honors community, and that number is is growing, um, not quite exponentially, but hopefully dramatically over the next year or two. But the faculty and the deans are incredibly supportive. So as a dean of an honors college, I report to the provost, and I sit shoulder to shoulder with my colleagues from arts and sciences, engineering, fine arts, and so forth, because all of our students are concurrently enrolled in all of those colleges. 
Well, let's hit let's hit the students the students' perspective in a way. The question we get in our office: so and so has an honors college. I have to write two more essays. Should I? Should I? UK, it's one, right? And it's combined with scholarships. So that's that's thank you. That's amazing. But the question we get: I'll I'll back up. Should I apply to this honors college? I got to write two more essays. There's no scholarship with it. So should I do it? Um, that's well, I think from from a, a, a counselor perspective, I mean, there are a couple of things. If, if if the student sitting in front of you, if you don't think they have the academic chops, we all have to be honest with one another, right? But I'm assuming they're great kids, right? They're they're let's assume they're great students. kids. Let's assume. Let's assume yeah, they're all we, they're, they're great kids. They're yeah. taking the best curriculum they can at their high school. You know, if it has AP, they're working on the APs and not. My answer generally is yes, absolutely. Why not? Because in almost all cases, an honors program, and I've reviewed over a dozen different honors programs in colleges around the country. So I've got, I'm not, I'm not just shilling for the Lewis Honors College sure, of here, course. but yeah, yeah. sharing the full context. We're all of us who, who lead in, in honors around the country. We're, we're developing our programs to be supportive of our students in their holistic and complete intellectual and personal formation. And so almost any and every honors college is not just going to be about the academic opportunities, but the personal attention that you get. I should have started with history. So let's go back. Okay. Honors colleges are an American phenomenon. They developed in the United States after World War II with the GI Bill. You had all of these people now had the opportunity to go to college. And many of them, they just were naturally saying, well, if I'm going to go to college, I'm going to go to the Northeast or I'm gonna to go to Stanford. And the states looked around and Texas led in this and said, hang on, we, we don't wanna lose our students. And so many of those folks had come back from places like England and they'd seen these tutorial models where you have small colleges, small groups together learning closely with faculty. And they said, let's try and set those sorts of opportunities up in our large state universities so that our best and brightest don't leave our states, but instead get that same kind of tutorial, close interaction with faculty, close community experience. And in the 60, 70 years since, we've just continued to build on those models. So I would say to a student, look, you're smart. You've written how many essays in your high school career? Go ahead and write a couple, of, couple more. Because if we fast forward four years from now, whether you're wanting to get a job getting into a professional school or going on to graduate school in a research field to be able to say that not only do you have a degree from a great state university, but you have an honors degree. And almost always there'll be a thesis to go with it to demonstrate your ability to work independently on a tough intellectual subject. Well, that helps you stand to be completely pragmatic for a moment. You stand out from the crowd now. If you're applying for a graduate program, you're saying, I can already do graduate level work. Thank you very much. It's right here on my transcript. And then when you're going through your process, as I implied earlier, we work really hard in the honors community to support our students completely, not just in the classroom, but outside of it as well. And when you're at a large state university, that can often give you that small liberal arts college environment to help you thrive in those first all important semesters. Which leads to the question that, that I, Chris and I know the answer to, but just to say for our listeners, 
why consider a smaller honors college within a large university as composed as compared to just going to a smaller university? So as somebody who sits on the board of a small university, um, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, uh, decry that either. Mm-hmm. I think it really depends upon the student and that's where you, you, you want to think it through. So if you're somebody who, um, if you were like me, I started out, I was going to be chemistry pre-med. I was going to be a research physician. Um, it lasted about eight weeks, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I knew I needed to be someplace that had all of the lab research opportunities to let me really dig in deep into chemistry and get that major and get that experience. There are some small liberal arts colleges that can give you that experience, but but not many. And certainly not if you want to go on and get a PhD in that field. If a student wants to be an engineer, some of them will have pre-engineering programs or they'll have joint two plus two or two plus three programs or three plus two. They can be worth considering. And if a student has always come from a small high school, if they're not sure if they can go into a large university environment, that's where you start to have those relational questions. But that's also where a place like the Lewis Honors College can help a student make that transition as we provide that smaller, more intimate community experience with all of the resources that you get at a land-grant R1 university. So I don't wanna say that we're the best of both worlds for everybody. I, I love our small liberal arts colleges and small universities that are in this country and want to see them thrive. Um, but I also recognize that there are just resources that we can leverage at places like, oh, what is it? They're red and white. They've got a stupid nut for a mascot. <laughs> um, <laughs> those guys. A poisonous nut. <laughs> yeah, poisonous nut. <laughs> so, you know, there's just resources that we can leverage and our land grant flagship institutions that smaller colleges can't. Um, but they all have their place. And that's where the work that you guys do and the work that parents do with their, with their students is so important. Um, The truth is, I probably would have done better at a small liberal arts college for who I was and where I ended up going. But I didn't know that until I realized in October, November of my freshman year, yeah, I don't think I want to do chemistry anymore. And I walked out of the lab and promptly failed it. Well, I didn't promptly. They waited and submitted the grades. And when I had to take the final (laughs) December, right. Wow. This is not on anything we had kind of discussed prior, but... So maybe if you don't have something off the top of your head, maybe think about it through the episode here. But I'm curious, any any like cool stories of students that that you've witnessed come through? I would love Um, to hear something. There there are so many. One of my favorites actually was from early on in my honors uh, tenure at, at Tulane. I had this really bright student who had actually taken classes with me, intro to uh, Hebrew Bible, Old Testament and Dead Sea Scrolls. But he was an econ major. And I had shifted from leading Jewish studies to leading honors. And he, he came his senior year. He was all excited. He shared with me that he had just gotten a, um, a job with somebody like Deloitte, right, or KPMG. And um, he said, but I, I just came because I wanted to tell you in person, I'm going to withdraw from honors. I don't want to do the thesis. I said, well, I mean, congratulations on the job. That's really great. But think of it this way. Here's your last opportunity to study whatever you want to study. What what would it be? 
what would you want to do? He goes, well, you know, I actually am really interested in whether or not when cities and states give tax incentives for sports stadiums to be built, whether it ever pays off for the local community. And um, I said, well, why don't you do that as a thesis? Right. Yeah, cool. So, so he did. And he found that it never pays off for the local community. And, and bear in mind, this was 2005, so going into 2006. He then actually got a job offer, which he took working in the front office of the Boston Red Sox. Wow. Now wow. that's cool. Uh, so, you know, here he was. He went and did this. And then he was able to parlay that into a job interview, into a position with the Boston Red Sox. And then when was it they finally won the World Series again? Oh, eight, nine, something like that. I'm not a baseball 08. guy. but Yeah. So he was he was able to ride in on that whole small ball, et cetera, et cetera, and really um, trans, transfer instead of just kind of being you know, a great job with somebody like KPMG, but moved into really, I mean, how many of those jobs are available in Major League Baseball, right? Very few. That's Very cool. Few. That's a good story. And, and then there are also, I mean, there's so many life transforming stories too. I mean, I have to say, I, it's, it's, Facebook for me has, has almost always been a business sort of, or, you know, part of the, the university experience for me because Tulane was one of the first to, to, after Harvard to be put onto Facebook and my students encouraged me to get on it. So most of my friends on Facebook are actually students and former students. Right. And while it's more than a little startling that some of my Tulane students are now moving their children into college, that's very <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> yeah. For those on the audio feed, the beard is quite gray now. Um, but these, these former students of mine, honor students who are, full professors themselves who are research, true research physicians working at NIH, working on cancer treatment. I mean, they're just, you know, and some are CEOs of corporations. I've got a number of students who have started new companies. Um, you might know Weebly. Um, mm -hmm. Weebly was the web design. It got bought by um, Foursquare or somebody. The three young men who started it were all three Penn State Honors graduates. They started it in their senior year. Wow. And still wow. did their theses and still graduated wow. with honors. Wow. Are there any 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 negatives to joint participating in the honors program? I guess the only thing I can think of and you is just if it's not the right fit for somebody from well, the front and, end. And I was sitting here trying to think of how to kind of reword that. Yeah, what like, like if if I'm thinking, man, do I really want to do this or not? What are the things that, that a student really needs to consider first before they say way. yes? I don't think there are a lot of reasons to say no. The okay. only things that I can think of is if it is, most honors programs are like ours curricularly, right? We make it quite easy to double and triple count your credits. And there's just, there's not a lot of reason to not go ahead and, and try. Um, and what I'd like to come back later in our conversations talk about why folks like yourselves, you, Joel, didn't apply coming in. But um, there are out there some honors programs and, and colleges that have a distinct flavor. So University of Texas Plan 2, they call it, is one of the oldest in the country. It is a completely separate curriculum. 
everybody has to take extensive science. Everybody has to take extensive philosophy. Everybody has to take extensive writing. A program like that, that really is shaped in a particular way, that may not fit you. But most of us, especially the R1s, the big research universities, we're working really hard to make sure the honors experience works with the student and their opportunities and multiplies the opportunity. So we're all setting, raising money and setting aside funds for students to study abroad to facilitate that, getting them grants so that they can do research or you know, talk about other fun stories. I had a student who was a sculpture major and we were able to give her $500 for the bronze that she needed in order to make her sculptures for her senior, senior uh, project, nice. uh, honors project. So I think by and large, why not? It's always one of those, go ahead and try. Let's see how that works. And then if I can just roll right into it, Joel, um, this, the students who don't think to apply coming in, one of the things we've built here and we built at Penn State is upper level admission. Because again, once you get here, you're doing really well. Maybe you didn't think about applying. A lot of first generation students or students who come from a lower socioeconomic status, they're just not thinking about that. They're thinking, I'm getting a degree so I can get a job. Perfect. That's great. But this helps to multiply your opportunities. It makes your degree that much more valuable. And so we provide pathways for students as rising sophomores or juniors to be able to come into the Honors College. Again, you're getting, you're getting A's already. Why not go ahead and get credit for that? We happen to also give $1,000 for every uh, student who comes in. Um, we, we have a fee. I should mention that. We have a, a fee. It's $250 a semester, but all of our students are receiving scholarship support. So it's always defrayed by the, the scholarship support that they receive. But the, the benefits far outweigh that, I think, uh, in, in, in every case. And um, I think one of the most valuable assets to any and every honors college and program of all my colleagues and professionals that I know is that we're here for the students, which is not to say our colleagues in the, in the rest of the departments aren't, because we are, and we, we all get into it. But it is explicitly a part of our job description to just be here and listen. And so, you know, so much of what I've sought to build, including our Center for Personal Development, which is really unique, frankly comes out of the fact that when I hit that wall after spending two years in high school interning at the National Institutes of Health and killing hundreds of mice in the name of science because I was going to be a research physician. And then within two months of my freshman year, realizing, no, I'm not. Who's going to help me figure that out? I went to the counselors, the advisors that the institution had, and they just said, we'll start checking off the gen eds and see what you like. Yeah, that's probably what you get. Now, some of that's generational. I'm imagining in 40 years, things have improved. But I'm going to I'm going to keep this quote in my head it makes the degree that much more valuable. I think I think that's something that I, can, that I can take back to my office yeah. when when students are when students are asking. Yeah. And Chris, I, you know, thinking about my own story, um, I mean, I was a first gen student, mm -hmm. um, youngest of three boys, you know, my, my parents, for them, college was not optional. Um, we were going, 
but that was that was like the that that was it as far as the support their their knowledge of like now what do you do was okay you guys make sure that you get what you need in right and my my school counselor was a was a really nice guy but i don't know that i really ever had a lot of conversation about college and options and things and so it just strikes me like on our end counselors really need to be knowledgeable about these programs and the opportunities available and be able to to articulate that to our students um because really i feel like i would like to think at least if i'd had more conversation about it than just a letter mm-hmm. my my decision might have been drastically different. And I think we have to be both idealistic and pragmatic, right? There, there is an ideology. I do think it's important that we as educational professionals are helping to develop and raise up leaders, thoughtful thinkers who are seeing the intercomplexity of the problems, even if they can't answer all those questions, they recognize they need more smart people around them and so on and so forth. But the truth is, the markets are all competitive, right? I mean, if we want, we can go back and blame the GI Bill because now everybody, not everybody, we know it's what, a third uh, of the US population uh, attempt a, a, an undergraduate degree. But you know, you're gonna be applying for jobs with people who already have a bachelor's degree as well. Okay, well, what makes yours different? Well, I actually studied abroad, and even though I'm a, an accounting major, I also, you know, when I studied abroad, I studied abroad in Spain. And so I'm fluent in Spanish now, studied abroad. Here's the thesis that I did on accounting for um, nonprofit organizations that are working uh, with uh, refugee populations coming out of the Mediterranean. And suddenly you're just a completely different job candidate. Yeah, that's a home run. That's a home run. I mean, when you're in an interview or in an application process. And remember, for the student, it's not that much more work right? It's just, they're still taking 120 plus credits to graduate. And almost all of that is going to double count. That thesis is going to count in your, in your major department. Now I get it. You know, I'm 17, 18 years old. I don't necessarily see the value of it, but that's where we, as frankly, the adults have to kind of help them see and understand we're, we're all doing this to help you be to borrow a phrase, the best that you can be, to really bring all those opportunities out in yourself. Chris, yeah, I we, may have screwed up 30 years ago. No, look at you now. Well, you're the you're the co-host of a Get Schooled by Reason for podcast, Joel. So luckily, you know, you got around it. Right. Folks, there's never there's there's never a time that you don't have a chance to yeah. start again. There's never a time you can't start and do you know, I tell folks all the time. There, nobody goes to college or to graduate school to become a higher ed administrator. I mean, that's not actually true. There are now our degrees. <laughs> there are degrees it, now, but, yeah. <laughs> but most of us don't, right? We start out going to do something else. And um, the work you all do and, and all of the advisors and counselors and parents listening, I mean, this is so pivotal, right? It is nothing less than the future of our society and our community is helping these 16, 17, 18 year old people figure out and get a vision, not of I can become this, 
but I can develop skills and tools and experiences that help me do any of a dozen different things that might open up for me in the next 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, I feel like a lot of work you do is invaluable. Sorry. Uh, No, go ahead, Chris. No, I feel like a lot of my conversations lately have been revolving around college being more than job training. And that, and that there's a learning that goes along, whether, whether it's a discussion about an honors program like we're having or a discussion on what the liberal arts means or what that is, just that the, the, the processes are way more important than the content. So here is a challenge. I, I, I have asked many people to give me an example. Um, and I don't I think higher education is unique, that we are the only, quote unquote, industry where our customer is also our product. I'm sorry for the the crude terms, but Chris, this is just to your point. So on the one hand, right, our students and their parents are our customers. So we're coming in, we're listening to what it is they want out of this collegiate experience. And on the other hand, we produce graduates and we have to listen to the graduate programs, professional schools, companies, corporations that are recruiting our students. And they say, we want this from your graduates. But we're the ones who sit in the middle who are actually, hopefully, the experts in education and pedagogy and what it is that you need to be learning. And while companies and parents and students and companies will say, I want these skills, when they've actually been surveyed, and there were a number of surveys done uh, by the Wall Street Journal in the the 2010s, they did it for three or four years running. Um, they, They surveyed over 200 of the major employers across industries. And the top 10 schools that they wanted to recruit from, the number one school was Penn State University. Almost all the rest were Ivy Leagues. And the reason Penn State stood out year after year was because their students had a strong work ethic and they were learning deep, thoughtful, critical skills that they could then apply anywhere. If you're going to be an actuarial scientist, you need to learn that, right? But most companies, most jobs, most careers, they want people who can think critically, thoughtfully, and empathetically. And so we're pretty unique in that we have to kind of sit in the middle and say, mom, dad, Jennifer, Johnny, we we hear what you say you want. Toyota, KPMG, we hear what you say you want. Let us help you get where you ultimately want to be, which is successful, contributing, feeling satisfied with what you're doing in life. And I think it's really important that we continue to have these conversations around what education is as opposed to training. And I say that as someone who is a huge fan of vocational programs, not everybody needs a college degree. Oh, same here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but anyway, so I, I think, I think uh, having these conversations about what it is that we're, you know, what is education as opposed to training those are those are important and it's not a priority level one to the other it's just understanding they're each with their unique domains it, it, it all starts in in our offices i think at least in mine about even getting to the point where like i don't know what i want to major in and my contention is that i in parents it's hard to it's hard to pay a bill and and, and fund yeah, when, fair enough. something where you don't know what you want to end up but I, I really feel like a lot of these conversations are, are kind of starting around that where maybe it doesn't matter that much. Like maybe that, maybe that, maybe that, that, that content isn't the most important thing. And 
So here's the advice that I do give. And one of the reasons why all other things being equal, I give an edge to a, a large research university because almost all of them will have strong general education or core requirements. Right. Spend your first year, even if you've got 60 AP credits, spend your first year broadly meeting your gen ed requirements and really figuring out what it is you're interested in. And then the university will be big enough that if you suddenly yep. realize, you know what, I really do want to do marketing and not psychology, there's a marketing department and you can shift over and do that. Right. And yeah, those are really similar talks to, to what we have. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if, if you'd be, if you would be willing to indulge us slightly in our, in our, in our in-state uh, students we work with, as far as I'm, I'm curious personally, I don't, I have, I don't know how selective the Lewis, like, I don't know if you're can't share that's fine, but I'm curious, like how many applications you get and how many spots you have and, <laughs> and, and any, any tips for applicants to the Lewis Honors College? Well, first and foremost, I always start by talking about the fact that the University of Kentucky is a tremendous university. It really is. Um, and the level of not only research going on across disciplines from medieval history to um, really groundbreaking uh, research in the College of Engineering and business and so forth. And, and first and foremost, you need to come here because of the University of Kentucky. I think that's extremely important to emphasize. The, the other thing, so then the question about the applying, again, I go back to why not, right? I don't think anybody should self-select. We do a holistic uh, application process, um, and um, which means we're looking at the overall transcript, right? Did they take the most challenging curriculum in their high school uh, and do well in it, but also in, in their field, um, their chosen field? So uh, somebody who's going to be STEM needs to have done the best in math STEM. and physics. Right. And so STEM. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and we don't consider the, uh, the test scores in honors. The university, it's optional, but, but in honors, we've never considered it. But we really look at those essays. What are you telling us about yourself, your worldview, the, the way you want to approach things um, in life? And um, we had over 5,000 applications this year. Um, and we admitted, um, we're, our target's always 10% of the freshman class. So we're about 670 this year. Um, uh, I don't have the offer numbers off the top of my head to give you, um, sure. um, that I will say it, you know, we get more competitive every year as most places do, but again, it's, we're, we're still the university of Kentucky and there's great opportunities here. And then there's opportunities to come into the honors college as a rising sophomore or junior, if you don't get in the first go round. So why not go ahead and apply? Um, it's one essay in addition to the others. Um, I, I frankly would like to have two essays only because they help me get a better sense of the student. Uh, do you read both essays? So, yeah. So our, our um, honors uh, review team reads the, you know, of course, it's a little complicated now. You guys probably know this better than I do. We've got three or four different systems. So we take in the Common App. I can't even remember the name of the other ones, but. Um, the coalition anyway. probably. Yeah. So yeah. we've got all of those. And then, and then we have the, the specific uh, essay question that we have, which I think is up on our website. I don't have it uh, committed to memory. 
All um, I do. I've been working on it <laughs> with well, students. And, and here's I have thing. it almost memorized. <laughs> it, uh, I we are always really open about the fact we'll talk about the essay and tell you yeah. what tell the students what we're looking for because we're not looking for right answers. We yeah, want to th see. This is this one's cool. The common good. Like, mm -hmm. what do you see as the common good, and how do you contribute to the common good? Because we are a commonwealth. Exactly. We're one of only four states that are commonwealths. Yep. And um, I'm glad you like it. I happen to write it myself, the question. This nice. Year. Yeah. But, you know, we tell students there's no right or wrong answer. We're, we're not even, you know, your grammar and spelling can't get in the way, right? So, but, well, sure, yeah. You know, if you get a bit wrong here, I mean, obviously we want, you know, all the better. But we're really looking to see, hey, how are you thinking about the world? Well, I, you know, I often will, will use the phrase that we're looking for the smartest people in the room who are aware that there are other people in the room who couldn't get in. And they're thinking, how do I do whatever it is I'm going to do to the best of my ability that helps the most other people as well, right? We want this. We're a land grant institution. We are for the common good. And we need to reflect that in all we do. Our, uh, you know, the, the E is not for uh, elitism with an honors college like ours. It is for excellence, right? And so it, it needs to be something that elevates and is for the betterment of our commonwealth, of our society. So the mission of the Lewis Honors College is to better the commonwealth of Kentucky and the world by helping students explore their purpose, develop intellectually, and lead with integrity. You can yes. tell it's not really intended. This is a sales pitch. Otherwise, I would have led with that 50 minutes ago. Well, we, 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 <laughs> we but that's what know. that's what we're about. Honestly, we're yeah. about helping students explore their purpose and and become great ethical moral leaders, so they can better the Commonwealth and the world. Well, this they want to be. I mean, yeah. the students mm -hmm. I work with, they want to be. They want to be. I mean, it's that's not a stretch in any in any any way. I've only had one student ever. To your point about UK is 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 UK, which is awesome. I've only had one student who ever who's like. Well, I'll go to UK if I get in honors. That's one out of hundreds. I'm really hundreds. glad to hear that, Chris, because I would hear this all the time at, uh, at other institutions. And, and I frankly would tell students and parents if they said these things, then don't come. Don't come. Be right, right. Because we are that institution. And you want to want to come because of this institution, because of how good and how great we are. And, you know, our explicitly... Um, the, the honors college here is to help all of this university. Um, we, we want to be the leaven through the loaf, right? It's not, it's not a walled garden. We, we don't have some cloistered environment with, with wrought iron gates that are right. locked, <laughs> right. you know, um, it, it's, it's designed to be as open as possible for, for everyone. What have we, what have we missed? What have we not, what have we not asked you about that we need? I think the only other thing I would mention is we do, speaking of, of walled gardens. It's not walled. It's in fact, we have a major street running between it, but we have a quad here. We have four buildings and, and like so many of our honors colleagues uh, and, and Joel, uh, no, Chris, you mentioned you lived in the honors dorm your sophomore yeah, year. Yeah. So we have the residential experience as well, the community of scholars. Right. And most honors colleges will have that also. One of the things that we do as well is we, we don't say only honor students can live here, but those who are living in this space in the honors quad hq they are acknowledging this is a place where we prioritize learning so we have extended quiet hours we have some other things that that are really more conducive to 
those who want to be students, as opposed to those who, you know, um, might want to spend a little more time pledging, say. I mean, right. they can be honor students and be in fraternity sororities. Last time I checked, the percentage of, uh, of our students who are engaged in fraternities and sororities, intercollegiate athletics and so forth, represent the university as a whole. We have a number of Division One athletes within the Lewis Honors College, especially sure. on soccer and swimming and riflery. Uh, okay. National champion, national champion two years ago. Yeah, there you go. So, so I think that that communal component is is really important. And um, but I, I, you know, I really uh, thank you for the time to talk about this because um, I'm obviously passionate about it. Um, I'm still passionate about my own academic field and discipline, but it is what I love about honors education is. I was never able, obviously, to complete that chemistry degree or become a physician, but I have helped thousands of amazing chemists and physicians yeah, in their yeah, roles. Yeah. You know, I have helped thousands, well, I've, I've, I've helped dozens of, of musicians and, and singers. I, there's a, one amazing student who, she's an opera singer. Actually, I know two cool. now. And now that I think about it, I, know, I have two students who were, did honors in music performance. And... I get to live vicariously through them. I'm sure you guys feel the same way, right? You see That's your students go off and just do amazing things. Yeah. It's so satisfying. Every day, all day. That's how I survive is living vicariously through, <laughs> through these, through these students. You know, Chris, we, we always say that like our most enjoyable episodes are, are often the ones where we know less about the subject going in. Oh yeah. And, and this is no exception. I mean, I, I feel like I've learned, a ton. And, and you and I have both been doing this job for quite a while now. Um, I, I think I can do a much better job talking yeah. about honors colleges now, just with my, with my students. Like, I'm not even sure I've been talking about it appropriately, to be honest with you, yeah. which is what we are on this podcast, honest about ourselves and what we, what we talk about. We, a lot of this just for audience, we, we, we know we, we, we are our guests and that we framed a lot of this through, University of Kentucky, which we're both fans of, and we both have children there. Uh, to to kind of wrap it up, maybe a little in, in a generalized sense. I don't know, um, Christian, if there's like maybe three three things that we could say. Hey, honors honors colleges in summary, in general, do this, this, and this for people. Absolutely, and I'm I'm very proud of my colleagues. Um, we're, we're actually <laughs> this is. Maybe this is a humble brag, but uh, we're hosting the Honors Education at Research Universities Conference uh, this spring. It's a conference I helped create several years ago. Nice. But just to the point that I think I can speak for all of my colleagues. Number one, the honors community is for the student. And it's to enable students to excel and achieve what their goals are. Every honors college and program that I know of, that's, that's what we're wrapped around. Number two, yes, it's about an academic rigor. There is always going to be uh, an academic component to uh, to honors education, and that that helps to set one apart. Um, but it also, more importantly, helps a student to just go as deep and as far as they can and they want to in their discipline and receive recognition for it. And then, if you want a third. It's a differentiator. If you're going to look on the on the Perfect. on the four years from now, five years from now at the graduation point, it is um, hardly ever much more. Even if there's a fee, uh, like as we have, it's usually very very modest. And that return 
um, is is always paid off in terms of the opportunities that an honors graduate will have, no matter what their program, when they go to apply for a job, graduate, professional school, what have you. Um, but it, it is, I think all of us in the honors field would say that what we are about is helping students to truly unlock their full and complete potential. Perfect. I think that's the the fantastic ending we we were we were looking for. I uh, I work with a student today who just will put the work in. Will always put the work in, all the way from yeah, I'll do another essay to get into this program or to try. I'll do the thesis. I'll do the extra work, and she always ultimately sets herself apart. So yeah. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. So let's take a quick break. And when we come right back, we will get to our various lenses for today's episode. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Let's get into our various lenses for today's episode, Joel. So let's start as we always do. If you're an independent or a school counselor, I think it's important for a counselor to do some research on honors programs at schools uh, to which your students are considering, programs and colleges. Uh, Most admissions counselors from the college or university, they mention honors as part of their recruitment Mm -hmm. message but really they don't always have the time to go in depth into the finer details. Um, so as a counselor, we need to, to be able to educate ourselves so that we can educate our students about the benefits of honors colleges, because that's really the big part of our job, right? To educate students. An honors college or program may not be the right fit for everyone, but for a student who's qualified and it can be the right fit, you want to be able to help them as they make that decision. We've actually, at Connor, we've actually had visits from an honors program or two. And and when that happens, I'm always there trying to learn more. Um, so if that happens at your school, take advantage of talking to the representative, sitting in on the visit, um, and finding out as much information as you can. If you're at a university... I need to change what I had thought before after the episode. So here's here's what I would say if you're at a university. I think that the people in the admissions office need to be able to tell the story as good as the people in the honors program. Because the people in the admissions office are the ones who are really out with counselors and students. And, and then tell that story in a compelling way. I mean, Dr. Brady, my goodness, was able to just tell the story in such a good way. I, I think that that if you're at a university, listen to this episode and really pay attention, not to the content in a way, but like maybe modeling the way you tell your stories in a way, the same way he did. But again, the admissions offices who maybe aren't directly connected to the honors colleges and honors programs need to understand it as well as anyone to get that message out. Okay. If you're a parent, which we both are, Your child is going to have plenty of pressure on them throughout this admissions process. Don't turn this into a pressure situation. 
if they aren't ready or willing, parents, it's okay. If they are ready and willing, support them in their decision, okay? If there's some disagreement as to what type of school to attend, the honors college within a university might be the, the winning factor, okay? Um, help students see the benefits of the program, but allow them to have the space to make that decision themselves, okay? If they choose to participate, that's great. If they choose not to, I'm a firm believer there are opportunities throughout the university as well for them, and your kid's going to turn out great. If you're a student, and we say this to you all a lot, but do the research. Consider honors for all the reasons we discussed. You might need to do an additional essay or two, but a couple hours work on the front end would, will be worth it to open up all the possibilities that follow. Seriously, students, don't, don't let two hours of extra work get in the way of all the things that might come later on. And don't be afraid to apply. Like, if you don't think you have the highest test scores, University of Kentucky doesn't even look at test scores in their honors program. They're looking at you as a person and all the things you say. So don't be afraid to, to apply to an honors college or program, even if you don't meet the highest scholarship tiers that that school has. Because I know what you're thinking. Well, if I can't reach the top scholarship, then certainly I can't be in honors. Not really true in, in, in so many ways. And then honors, to that point, honors tends to be more about learning than, than grade grubbing, grade grabbing anyway. You know, it's about, it's about learning. And sometimes people who are interested in learning, maybe you don't have the perfect GPA or whatever. Who cares? Uh, apply, apply anyway. And with that, it's time to wind down this episode where we'll finish up as we always do with Chris's words of wisdom. Chris, what do you have for us today? This is a good one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is my quote. It's six words. It's not related to college stuff. It's just life, right? That's what the word of wisdom, words of wisdom are all about. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I honestly forget where I first heard this. And I can't remember if it was our, our two-time guest, David Burge, or if I heard it a long time ago and talked to him about it. Anyway. If anyone ever asks what my best, my best marriage advice was, I think it's these three sentences. And, and Jen and I say it all the time. And honestly, that alone has almost become a lighter moment, making whatever situation we're in uh, even better. Like sometimes you don't need to win. Relationships are not a series of negotiations. In fact, if, if there is ever conflict in a relation, if there's never conflict in a relationship, then, then somebody's either resenting something or getting walked all over. So, so just my thoughts on this sort of thing, but I promise you a genuine, simple, reflective, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, can do the trick. Thank you, Dr. Chris. Dr. Papaw. <laughs> and remember, you can always listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter at, at GetSchooled3, at AskMrReeves, that's at AskMRReeves, and at the Mr. Ford. that's at the MR, the number four and the letter D. And you can follow us on the internet at www.AskMrReeves.com slash GetSchooled. All right, Joel. 
we get we've gotten this wrong many times. But tell <laughs> us about tell us about our next episode theoretically. Heck if I know. I mean, honestly, uh, we're just gonna uh, who knows. We've got two topics ready to roll, so it's either gonna be our episode about how a college calculates matriculation, or I'm leaning toward this one because of the changes this year. Um, hopefully, at some point, there'll be some details released about the new FAFSA and what it's actually going to look like. And is it really going to be simple? No. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll have that later this fall. Um, so for the listeners, this is what we call building suspense. So either way, we'll see you on building suspense. Next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. So I'd just like to show you uh, my state champion poultry judging award. Yeah. It's a, that's that's amazing. I love it. Literally a trophy in your office. Yeah, yeah. No, I have two. I've got two up there. It's amazing how folks will see the uh, Lego ATAT, but they won't see the chicken trophies that are right next oh, to oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Did you say what I just think you just yeah, said? Yeah. See it oh, up there? I see it up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That was my son's, actually. It's, it's the one with the little motor in it. Oh. So... That and a chicken trophy. I have two chicken trophies because That's only negative. because my wife. Um, uh, anyway, we recycled the other five, so <laughs> I had a lot of chicken trophies. That's, that's poultry domination right there.